Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We're here, episode 127, with the one, the only, Becca. Hi. It's been so long, <laughs> I feel like. Just saying that. Been, it has been so long. That's been. We've been busy. The yes. team's big, yes. growing. Have we announced awesome. to the world? Are we announcing to the world? We can announce Anything? to the world. It, it will we can. be announced yeah. at some point. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. We got something for this. Oh. Becca, what's the big news? The big news is my family is getting a new member in February. In February. You're a, you, a, new, a new cat? A new horse? New what are we talking about? <laughs> I like new horse. Two horses. <laughs> We are having a baby Palin. It's a boy. A boy. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. I think that's the first time I've heard the name. Well, that's Dan's last name. Mine's oh. a little different. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's <laughs> not his first name. It's not Palin. No, we're... Um, yeah, it could be a first name. <laughs> we're stuck between two right now. Ooh. Yeah. That's tough. Let's yeah. let's let the audience vote. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a terrible poll. idea. Put Never ever tell people what you're thinking of naming your child if you really like the name. Because right. just... I think everyone will be like, "Oh, I know someone with that name, and they're terrible." And like you'll be like, "Okay, I don't know them. What's that well, have to do with anything?" It, it always goes back to <laughs> d- people think they're you are asking for their opinion. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're asking for validation when you say, I'm thinking about naming my kid this. It's not, it's not your opportunity to say, oh, well, that's a terrible idea. Let me explain why. Cause I knew someone who used to pick their nose, name that, name that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's a good, it's a good reminder. We do should sure. think about the same things when it comes to marketing, advertising and, and who we're asking opinions of. And yes. whenever you ask someone's opinion, they oh. will give you one, even if they don't have one. <laughs> and now that you've been given it, what do you do without feeling like you don't care or, or, or them feeling like you don't care or value that opinion? Uh, Got to be careful who you yeah, super careful. poll in the company when things are going on. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to get a new, I need to get a new sound because I'm tired of this one already. But for now, it is it's story time. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin needs to go away. New, new sound for the new year. It'll happen. Whole new soundboard. Becca, what do you got? I haven't heard that one yet. Oh, you're that's, Did you it mean out. anything to you? Yes. It did? Oh, that's awesome. Oh my goodness. I wanted Teddy Ruxpin so bad right? when I was so a kid, bad. But See? I never got him. Man, oh my goodness. I didn't either. And even you my rich one. neighbor didn't get one. Normally that you know, I could trust on John Sisson getting the cool toys and I could go over to his house. But Nope. No nope. one had a Teddy Rock Can Nobody's parents now. wanted to listen to that. <laughs> I think it's creepy. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I, I love, I love being able to roll out effects to people uh-huh. uh, now that we have to rotate so much. Becca, what do you got for us in story so, time? I've been super busy because it is holiday season and that means it's time to trim down the budgets a little bit. And so I've been spending a lot of time reducing budgets in Google AdWords, and there's a little bit of a trick to it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lots of tricks. Yep. So the um, budgets it, itself, like the campaign budget, is now 30 days average. So like if you drop that, 
it doesn't necessarily drop your budget. Which is not what we're used to in the in the world of everything digital. It's like, okay, yeah. if I change the number now, it takes effect right now. And so tomorrow I will for sure spend right exactly what I plugged in and Google ads right now or for a while now, it, that's not, that's not the case. So what's yeah. the trick? So the trick is reducing the bids first. Okay. So we got to define Beautiful. for those. I mean, there, there's hundreds of thousands of people who are listening for the first time ever and have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> on every episode. Just kidding. It's, been, yes. it's been the same 435 of you for about the last year solid. I so, think so. We're, we're glad about all of you, uh, but just a divine for everyone. The, the budget is how much at, a, at the highest level of a campaign you're allowing Google to spend. Yes. And they're still, that's a range. It's an idea. G Google's like, budget, that's a hard word. This is just yeah. an idea. Like, we'll <laughs> think about it. Um, but the bid is how much you're willing to spend per click, right? Yes. Uh, what, what your bid is to win that click in the auction format. Yes. So how does changing the bid affect things faster so if you lower your bid, then all of a sudden it kind of knocks out a bunch of the more expensive clicks. Mm -hmm. So you'll end up spending less because your ceiling of what you're willing to pay per click is lower. So you're giving up a larger portion. Like, you know, if it was new homes in Chicago, you might be willing, you might have been willing to pay $7 a click. I don't know why you would. Yeah, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but Don't if you that. lower your click down to or your bid down to you know say a dollar all those clicks that you were getting above a dollar and below seven dollars you're not going to yep. get it anymore so that helps yeah. drop so you're probably going to lose Perfect. more of those auction opportunities yes probably but but not necessarily so this is also probably i'm guessing a good time to just be testing when you can afford to get a little bit less like how much could I lower the bids by and still maintain? Or in some cases, we, you know, this is why Google, we're going to talk a lot about other takeaways from the academy that people had. But one of them that I thought was really insightful was, but not quite true either, but it's still really good. <laughs> There's no right or wrong when it came to Google ads. It was that you need to come back regularly and check in. Yeah. And then yeah. Adjust. It. I think that's the thing. There people is definitely some wrongs, but <laughs> definite wrongs, even within the right, you can be more or less right and it's okay. You're just needing to coming back and check and adjust on a regular basis. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. forgiving. It's mm -hmm. you put the $7 yeah. bid in there. If you check it two days <laughs> later, you realize that's a mistake and you'll lower it. If you yeah. don't check it, then that's, that's when it's super, super wrong. Yeah. But right. That was perfectly said. I like that Becca. Awesome. Thank yeah. You. That was yeah. that. And, and that, but so, so again, you can in that process of coming down right now because of the holidays and you don't need it, you might find that you've been overbidding. And as you bring that bid down, you may get even more volume because now your dollar goes yeah. farther. I've Be seen sneaky. that happen too. But this is a good time to test it when no one's yeah. very few people are like, I need all the traffic I can get pedal to the metal, you know, <laughs> yeah, take, take advantage of the time. My update on the Oakley New construction project is that all interior selections, oh. except for paint colors, uh, trim around the doors and um, trim around the island is done, which Ooh. that is a big deal. If you know my wife and how you know, is the island? Because you could do whatever you want with an island, right? Yeah. Compared well, they, to a mm. door. Again, the thing that's freaked me out on this whole process is whenever someone says, we'll just figure that out later. <laughs> and as a, as a semi-custom 
builder for most of my career and a production builder when I wasn't in semi-custom, that just flips me out. Like we're going to start building this thing and we don't know exactly what the, so the island cabinets have been selected, but on the ends, instead of just a typical end end panel that you would have, that would be from the manufacturer. Yeah. Like, Oh no, let's do some cool, like X barn shape thing. And yeah, we'll just have the trim carpenters say. come in and, and fashion that out. And we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, just show them a picture. And then they'll make it happen. <laughs> and again, for those of you who are still working for a builder, well, I don't know if I ever told the story. We did a custom home on your lot in Cheat Lake one time, and they wanted a two-story stone fireplace Ooh. that went through a deck. So fireplace below the deck, fireplace with the same chimney flue, if that's even the right term. Uh, oh, but that sounds but this gigantic two-story stone fireplace. And in the selection sheet on the contract, it just said two-story stone <laughs> fireplace uh, built with a deck around it. That was it. I think it said oh. C, C photo. C oh. And then the price was like $18,000. Uh, that doesn't sound like enough, I don't think. Well, that's the but, first rule in home building is never let the salesperson be the same person as the costing manager on the job. So this was yeah, when sounds. we started on your lot, we were like, well, let's just do this the quick and easy way. This is going to crack Eric and Don and uh, Paige and, and other folks on your lot builders listening. We're like, let's just have one person sell the home, cost the home and be in charge of building the homes. And we'll just do like 10 a year. Well, it was a terrible, terrible idea. And we were all nervous about it from the beginning but yeah that that fireplace alone ended up costing i think over $28,000 by the time we were said and done Ooh, okay so but just the idea of two story stone fireplace see photo and price that's not enough detail like you're going to there's going to be problems there so whenever that happens like for them i'm just thinking as much as for me the customer i'm like oh no <laughs> i don't like this idea um <laughs> Yeah. Cabinet hood apparently is the same way. Nah, we delete the cabinet hood. We'll just talk to the trim carpenters. Show them a picture of what you want. And we'll just, it'll be cheaper. They can like, everything. I, what? What? Okay. <laughs> but that's done. So that's a big, I also learned more that's about awesome. septic systems. I should have watched the Tilson oh. Holmes uh, live stream more about that, but. You should have. Uh, yes. We have to have a 300 foot septic system because we have six bedrooms in the house. One of which will be my office, but. So like almost a full acre is nothing but poop storage, apparently, um, which seems like a waste of an acre, but that's what we have to do. It's, this is, I am having fun. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> the hardest part for me is as a good husband, I shouldn't have any opinions on any of this. And yet, because I'm in the business, I feel like if anyone I ever know comes over to my house, they're judging my selections or not even my, like my, my oh, family sure. selections in the house. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care about any, like we talked about uh, pulls on the cabinet hardware and what length they should be. And I was like, I'll see you guys later. Call me back in. I'm going to go check Slack and email and <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I, I really don't care. Um, but there's other things where I just feel like, I mean, I would be happy with less, but I also feel like anyone who comes over would be like, why did you, why did you do that? Why'd you do that? I will say, did I already talk about the window change? Wood to vinyl, vinyl wood. There was I know some we talked about it internally. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. So the developer requires wood windows. Um, we wanted black interior and exterior. 
we're looking at Anderson, uh, 400 series windows. They were going to have to be painted still on the interior sprayed. It was going to be like $12,000 just to paint the grids and the round plus, let alone a maintenance nightmare or what if it sweats or sticks or right. Mm. Becca's just shaking her head. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and there was another option from Anderson, but on the outside, and you would never see this if you just drove by a house with black windows and didn't know, but on, on, I think it's the, um, it's not the style. It's the actual track part that the window moves up and down. And on a double hung window, there's some of that visible on the outside and inside of the window. Hmm. Well, for most manufacturers, those are either white or gray, no matter what color you choose. And so you've got a black window on the outside. And you'll notice if you drive by a house, if you're looking straight on, all you see is the black, nice, pretty window. You drive a little bit past it, you start to see white or gray. It hmm. looks like trim within the window. It's hard to describe. Like, audibly like, like the track or something like yeah so um i i had fun i got out the blueprint and we decided to do all fixed windows throughout the entire house and casement windows instead so casement. we're doing wood windows that are black outside black interior the fixed is better from an energy efficiency perspective it also looks cleaner okay. from the outside it looks more traditional architecturally mm -hmm. speaking and then we put casement windows on the end. So if there's a bank of four windows, the two windows on the end rotate out as casement windows. And then the two windows in interior are static. So now we don't have the ugliness on the outside of the home when you're driving by. The windows should overall be cheaper because the majority of the windows are fixed. And yeah, we don't live in Florida, so we don't open up our windows that often anyway. It's more yeah. you know safety and code and fires the occasional yeah. burnt toast yeah, yeah. Burnt um, toast. <laughs> so we should end up saving about a third of of the total cost on our window oh nice nice um choice and it should be more energy efficient with the fixed windows versus nice. the okay awesome. well yeah more more to come on the construction we're gonna have a great content here that's just why i'm building a house for you all for the all next reason. <laughs> year <laughs> probably <laughs> all right on to the news We've got the DYC holiday gift guide up and Ooh. it's a living document folks like our constitution. I don't know if that's a bad or a good joke, um, but as a living, breathing document. So a couple people have mentioned how much they already love the gift guide, which, which we're happy that you're happy, but if throw in the comments, something that you enjoy yourself or you think missed the guide, we will add it in. There are some affiliate links in there and we probably need to update this in the article too. So if you, uh, purchase anything, all that money is going towards helping uh, needy families in Guatemala, children who don't have a house to live in or things to eat or so um, you're shopping for a good cause there as well when there when there is those affiliate links when there are those affiliate links in there for you. Um, also, we have three dates on the calendar now for the Market Proof Marketing Academy in 2021. Nice. So the First inaugural class is almost done. We got a break for Thanksgiving and then two more uh, classes after that, but it's gone fantastic. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but go ahead and pencil in March 3rd and 4th, June 9th or, and 11th and December 1st and 2nd. So there'll be a class in the spring, class in the summer. We'll pause for the fall because we've got the um, summit happening in August, late August. And then uh, early 
December. So you have three options. You can sign up uh, to be on the list for any of those right now. And we, Andrew and I were joking, we need to update the holiday gift guide because if you've got extra money in your budget, you can pre-purchase your ticket now yeah. and then you, know, you show up for free in 2021. It's like you didn't even pay anything. <laughs> it's, it's how'd I get here? Are they, I would think some people are listening, depending on where they live, mm-hmm. you're either going, well, that's definitely virtual because I'm locked down now. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, I'm in Florida and like we have events all the time. Um, what are you thinking? <laughs> Is that TB, TBD because the world is still... The March one will certainly be virtual. Uh, the June one could end up becoming in-person, but um, it also could be hybrid. I think we're getting better at this where we might be able to do uh, a hybrid true. scenario as well. And then December, I'm definitely going to make you all come to the frozen tundra of Columbus, Ohio. For <laughs> sure. We may go to Tampa. We may go to Tampa in December. And, and December's good. Well, it could be good. It could be good. Yeah. It could be awful. could be 50 with 30 so mana. You can head on over to marketproofacademy.com to join those lists now. Um, we'll release tickets here very soon for all three. And that way they'll be available and they'll, when they sell out, they'll, they'll sell out. But um, I think we already have 23 people on the VIP list for oh. whatever's next. So that's the whole thing. Check that out. Nice. That's one of them. Yeah. If, if all yeah. these people pull through. Okay. Next up. Uh, well, anything else about the Academy, Andrew, Becca? Um, so I just did a solo episode week prior. We heard from some of the attendees what their takeaways were, but impressions, things that surprised you or didn't surprise you. Uh, Becca, you want to go first? Want me to go first? I can go. Okay. I yeah, go. enjoyed go. watching the groups work together on the group exercises. It was really exciting to see how everybody processed the data differently. Like, the lecture and the and and the pieces that go into doing the work and then how they as a group put it together. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an escape room in that sense of like <laughs> it is we, had, yeah. we had someone from Do You Convert with a group of anywhere from three to five people who were trying to work on a group assignment. What given certain amounts of data, deciding what should be done, how it should be done. And so Becca's watching these five people and and it's like the what is it called? The the gate master or whatever the in an escape room or like, yeah, hey, I know what you mean. Yeah, what's you know, you're just watching that? this unfold and you don't want to get in the middle of it, but then sometimes like, you feel what like what about you sh- that thing over there? Yeah. <laughs> maybe checked out. You're yes. forgetting about this part. So yeah, that, that, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was, that was one of my favorite parts of just the group exercises. Um, I think what people don't realize is when they're working on their own analytics, they have this security blanket of knowing the community, knowing the builder, knowing yes. the market. When you look at someone else's, you're like, ooh, it, it takes a little bit of, you have to like recalibrate to realize like, oh, and then, and then I think you see it more clearly like, oh, well, that's obviously the issue. Um, but at first yeah. you're just like, you're kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck here. I'm a deer in the headlights. Like what's going on? And another thing, I think just the, the people got, that got, I think the most out of it or will get the most out of it are ones who just dive in and start working on things that they learned yes. or new things. Like if mm-hmm. they're, you just need to get in there and, and do it like the bidding that Becca just talked about in Google. Like, yeah, just check it after you do it. And then if it didn't work, then it, you fix it. And there's, it's no big deal. Same with the Facebook ads. Yeah. Like if it's new, the pixel's not installed correctly, or you created a custom version, version, whatever it may be. Well, then the next day you just go in and, and fix it, which I think that's 
how I've learned everything. And that's how I think yeah. everyone with digital yeah. marketing, you have to break it, fix it, rinse, repeat, and then, and then you know it. And it's not like Armageddon break it. It's like, no, as long as you don't blow any money, <laughs> yeah, like too many zeros or something, yes. that wouldn't be fun. No, but, but, but if you're, yeah, you're right, you're just adjusting here and there and over time it gets better. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that hit me for the first time in a different way, probably because it was a virtual thing. And so I could, when you're teaching in person, you're looking around the room, whereas virtually I could see everyone's face in this little square all the time. <laughs> um, and even just talking to people afterwards, you know, there's the four stages of competence in anything. There's being unconsciously incompetent. You don't even know what you don't know. There's consciously incompetent. You know what you don't know now. Um, consciously competent. When you think through things, you can do it well, but mm -hmm. you have to think about it. And then there's unconsciously competent, which is, uh, you know, where a lot of the DYC crew is because we, this is what we do and we focus on it. We don't really even like, we have to make ourselves stop just working in the flow and explain to people. We have to pull ourselves out of being unconsciously competent and define and explain and teach. And uh, I think a lot of the people's main takeaway was even though they've been doing this uh, in a lot of cases, doing the, the job as a digital marketer or a marketing leader in home building for a long time, like, I still didn't realize how much there is that goes into this. And, yeah. Yeah. and so the good news is they're moving away. They're no longer in unconsciously incompetent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're now <laughs> consciously incompetent, but that's the most scary place to be in especially if you feel overwhelmed. And so then my, my takeaway is really being honest with yourself, your company, the company culture, company goals. You are not going to master everything immediately. So what's the most important? And what's the most important for my company? So if uh, there is a, a gentleman named uh, Jack on the team who are in the class who you know, just get, gets it all and has maybe some help that he can pull on. So Internally, we all need to know this, but someone who's just a single, single department and has, you know, two divisions that they're trying to manage, you got to pick and choose. Like it's, it's unrealistic for you to, to be a master at all the button pressing that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so yep. to me, um, what was reinforced again is that analytics is the most important skill set to have. It's not running the ads that can come later. The most important thing that what, what sets up the table, puts the barriers on the, or the bumpers on, on the bowling alley is analytics. It, it tells us where we need to go, generally how we need to get there, what is likely missing. It tells the story of what needs to happen. And then whether you're going and pushing the buttons, whether you're sending an email to Becca or Andrew and saying, this is what I need help with, or whoever that person is for you, it's just understanding that analytics is the thing that you need to get comfortable with first. So essentially, I think how I'm thinking of it, Google ads and Facebook ads is like the engine, it's the fuel, it's the fire to get you going. If you don't have a steering wheel, you don't have your dashboard, you have no idea what direction you're going, if you're going fast enough, too slow, whatever it may be. And that's even the case like when we start with a, with a new builder, get everything up and running, awesome. But then analytics is like where we pivot and adjust based on what just changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's about it that way. It's the steering wheel. And 
the two front, if it's a front wheel drive car, <laughs> the two things that are most likely going to be impacted by the steering wheel will be your paid search efforts and your paid social efforts. But the wheel is the thing that you, the leader need to have your hands on. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 it's just, it's really important to be honest with yourself about how much information you can absorb at one time. And that's what you need to stay focused on. So, um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch people be able to take the data and then know, know what comes next. All right. Um, next up in the news, Twitter rolls out stories or what they're calling fleets. And it's really cute when you, fleets. when you push the button, it's like share a fleeting thought. I mean, Twitter went all out on their, <laughs> on their branding <laughs> and, and user experience here. Um, we'll also test a clubhouse rival. So this is from TechCrunch, but I, um, I saw is, these I saw these pop up as soon as uh, they were there. Of course, my first fleet and only fleet for the foreseeable future was just a facepalm emoji that took up the full screen. <laughs> I saw Will Duderstadt say, like, how soon will it be until someone creates an app that just posts the story slash fleet slash whatever LinkedIn is calling their story tool like if you're the kind of person who needs to do stories on every platform, you, you do want something that's just posting them because they're all the same at this point, mm-hmm. pretty much. But people don't seem to be loving it. Tw- the Twitterverse overall is not responding positively. And I think it's because Twitter users view themselves as generally not being lemmings or uh, the more, more intel, like the more intelligent people are on Twitter, and I, I could, t- <laughs> so I think they're That's they're funny. just not overly excited about this new new features. And, and neither one of you are real active on Twitter, right? So no. you're not. Dying. I tried at one point, and I don't know. I don't want to say anything negative about it. Well, no, it, it, it's, I, there are I, some I, negative things out there. It for feels sure. like sometimes it's just like this, like too much pat on your back, like going around versus like, so I like Instagram the most, but that's based on the content I consume and, and what I post mm-hmm. on it versus mm-hmm. other people who are like Instagram's probably crap. And it's just people putting pretty pictures of yourself. And if you're not pretty, you don't make it on Instagram. Could be true. I only yeah. have like 500 followers, but so Twitter, fleets, I'm like, aren't, fleets aren't pulling you in. You're not reinstalling the app and pulling me in stories are so much work. Like, I don't know the, my yeah. energy. I don't, I don't have that energy to like do 12 stories in a day. And just do that all the time, like some people do. Of course, it's not also like if that's how you got your business was only through stories and like you had half a million followers, that'd be different. You'd, I would pay someone to do it. <laughs> like you're in charge yeah. of this. So um, the other thing that they're apparently practicing, and what's interesting here is this obviously isn't just Twitter. Because um, what we're seeing is that all of these networks are now deciding that they want to be similar, just like yeah. the others. And yeah, so LinkedIn has them too, doesn't it? Yep, yep. Don't do them on there either. It's not worth your time. Um, Let's see if anyone's doing them. The other thing that Twitter's testing, which would be interesting to see this roll out on a LinkedIn uh, or an Instagram, but it'd be scarier on Instagram, is these audio spaces. So allowing people to gather for live conversations with another person or a group of people. I don't think for sure they should not roll this out in 2020. Maybe wait (laughs) until... The middle of next year when everyone has a chance to calm down, because can you imagine all of the social conversations happening with real live voices? I think it could be <laughs> on any social network. If it's like if you like I'd want to listen to a imagine if um let's say Kevin Oakley's on there mm-hmm. and then 
Scott Stratton replies mm-hmm. and I could go in and it not be live. That's, I think that to me, I wouldn't want it live. It'd be like, Oh, I want to hear what Kevin and it'd be like a mini podcast for like 30 seconds. Yep. What, but you, I think you need some visual aspect of it. So you know what, well, this is, is basically just a live audio chat room, just a separate uh, space where you, you could go in and start talking. And that's what right now it just sounds terrible because people would start screaming almost instantly <laughs> at each other. Right. Yeah. Most I of the like time. That's very closely related to phone calls. Mm-hmm. The phone call. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we need to kill the phone Speaker because that's annoying. Everywhere. Man, when someone calls, that's the most annoying thing The worst ever. is if you switch mediums of <laughs> communication. Like, hey, I texted you. Give me a call. What do you mean? You just texted me. Mm-hmm. Text me back. Yep. Oh, yep. man. All right. Last news story. And then we got a new segment coming up uh, here is yeah. Google Ads wants advertisers to give broad match another shot. This is from marketingland.com. Redemption. Redemption. Is it really? So <laughs> broad, ma- broad match keyword suggestions will start surfacing in recommendations. So... The quote here is, if you're using smart bidding, question number mm. one, Andrew, smart bidding, what yeah, is nay, smart bidding? We'll identify existing keywords that are likely to improve performance if you switch them to broad match. For example, says Google, the broad match keyword, women's hats, would match <laughs> to winter headwear for women or women's accessories. Mm. The, the other question that that begs, of course, is that if you type in work attire, would that also match to pajamas in 2020, right? That's if you're working true. from home, that's a joke. Andrew, Tuxedo that, top. Becca, I thought I was going to get a laugh from you on that one. Oh, well, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I I was, my wheels were spinning. I was like, tuxedo top, pajama <laughs> tuxedo bottom. There you go. So first off, if you're using smart bidding, how do you smart feel about bidding. smart bidding? Okay, so smart bidding does have those applications. It is anything that is assisted with conversion data. So like the return on ad mm-hmm. spend bidding, maximize conversions, target CPA, any of those, which do work in certain circumstances for certain builders sometimes. So it's generally it's just, limited though. Generally, you need a lot of leads. That's, so that's pretty mm-hmm. much the thing. You need a lot of leads um, for, for them to work, yep. which is why this then could make sense. And like the context they gave, you're an advertiser selling women's hats. If you have the other products on your site, you're giving Google more control to find more opportunity for you to increase revenue and have more conversions. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So but, as long as, as long, yeah. if you are using smart bidding where it's tied to the right conversions, we should clarify the right conversions, the right conversions, then it could be helpful. In essence, they're trying to get more like, yeah, they're Facebook. trying to be nice. They're, they're all trying to act more like Facebook's AI. Yep. By, by letting it learn and be a little bit more creative in the way that it's attacking the consumer's exactly. attention. Whereas I think we would go, we want the most amount of control first because we know exactly what we sell, new homes. And then we would expand from there. And then broad match would be typically something after you maximize the budget on the best keywords ever. Then we'll do things to bring in more clicks if you need them. And if Facebook doesn't need more budget, like it just, this would be like step four or three. Yeah. Yes. I love it. it says, if you're skeptical, you are not alone. Cause okay. you know, I just, <laughs> I'm so skeptical. Google seems to be ironically, since they talk so much about how they match search results based upon trust and giving the consumer what they want, then Google, why do you keep lying to us when it comes to what we should bid on and how much we should spend? It just <laughs> seems ironic to me, but trickster, you know, 
I feel like it could just so quickly go to, well, Andrew Peak is looking for pergolas and pergolas are yeah. part of houses. And if you want a, a new pergola, pergola, well, the only word missing there is house or home. You know, let's yeah. just give it a shot. But, yeah. you know, again, as long as it's based on the conversion data, it should. Yep. It should, and I think should, there's work. There's also context that we don't really talk about too much in the home home space. If you're in e-commerce, which would be like, I don't know what percent of advertising revenue that is for Google. Um, you have a lot of sales per day, but you're looking for more keywords. And so you could use a percent of your budget to essentially give Google more control to find things you can't think of on your own. Yep. And then add those as like how you would normally have it run in a strategy with like broad match modified or something. So you'd have yep. like exploration keywords set up just to mine what people are searching. But we don't do that in the home. If you try to apply it to home building, you have your normal broad match modified keywords. And then I would have a separate lever, separate campaign for broad match so that exactly. you're not interfering with what you know is already working and you can test it against Google's grand ideas. Yeah, Google's grand ideas. It's like a movie, <laughs> Netflix episode. Awesome. Right. Okay, let's move on to our new segment, Your Questions Answered. Seems like a very Ooh. directly named segment. Ba -dum, ba -dum, uh, this is the segment where we answer your questions from the Market Proof Marketing page or things that you've emailed or texted to Andrew, Kevin, anyone, someone else on the Do You Convert crew, um, especially folks that we don't work with. We, we do answer everyone's questions we work with, but if you don't work with us, there's just so many coming in that this seems like the easiest way to be fair to everyone. Um, so first up, from uh, Travis, his question was, how is pricing handled when pre-selling a whole community? That was a rather succinct question, Travis. But what I think he's talking about is if I'm selling out a neighborhood that's larger and I believe I could sell out the whole thing or, or a large portion of it, how do you handle pricing when you're not just saying, okay, these first eight or 10 are, are for sale? The, the, the standard answer that I would give to that question is that every time that you move a month further out in the construction start timeframe. So, hey, the first eight sales we get will start in the initial 60 days after sales are available to, to begin. And then when I go into the next month, so um, the next four homes that I'm going to start, but that's 30 days further out, then I would add a an increase in cost at that point and continue further out. And... The trade-off here is the customer is still getting a guaranteed price. So the builder is carrying the risk and that's how you have to communicate it is because they're not going to be happy. No one's going to be like, oh, thanks for the price increase since I'm number 12 on the list. But you're explaining to them that I'm locking in your pricing still. You have a known quantity in terms of your, your home's price. Our costs are still going to fluctuate until we get closer to starting your home. So the risk is on us. And we're asking for a small increase to cover some of that risk. However, um, with the way things are going with unknown cost increases, uh, material shortages, labor shortages, and just the pandemic rush. I mean, we had someone, and we don't try to say a lot of these stories because it sounds braggadocious, but a builder that we work with sold over 100 homes for a neighborhood where the land has not been touched yet. They're not cutting in streets. There are no streets. There's nothing That's under construction. Crazy. Utilities have not been installed. Hmm. And they pre-sold 100 home sites. And this is in uh, a state that I've never mentioned on the podcast before. This is not a top 
25 market in the country. It's one of those places that makes you scratch your head. But they took wow. a different approach to this. And sale is an interesting word. That's what they originally were calling it. They really are reservations, but they're taking a $1,000 refundable deposit to secure a home site. And then they're not giving folks the pricing for their home until they get within that 60-ish day window of starting construction. Hmm. And historically, what they've said in this process is that 90% of the people end up taking the the home site that they've reserved. So once that's they do get good. their full final pricing, 90%, that's that's like amazing. There's there's so mm -hmm. many amazing, because typically in a pre-sale scenario, if you start selling more than about 120 days out, somewhere between 90 and 120 days, your cancellation rate increases pretty quickly. Up to like 30% of those people will end up not moving forward unless you've collected a significant amount of non-refundable hand money as part of that process. And some states... The, the real estate laws won't even let you do that. So what is interesting about that pre-sale reservation idea is protecting your margin as a builder. So how do you get a lot of excitement and a lot of positive momentum while also protecting your margins? Um, I think that's a really interesting idea. Now, I also don't think it, it needs to be an all or none. Like um, I wouldn't recommend re letting pe 100 people reserve a home site for the same thousand dollars. I think this idea of adjusting. So maybe the first 15 people pay a thousand, then the next 15 people pay 3000 and figure. And the point there is we always want to know what what's happening in the marketplace. And by slowly going up or down, we're, we're keeping pace with reality. Um, once, once we get to $5,000 reservation fee, if things start to cool, then that's telling us we're at that, that right point of the market. And we can always adjust back down or, or change things up. But I just think um, qualification levels, amount of money, maybe even whether that money is refundable or not, are all on the table and should be on the table throughout the whole process. During that reservation process, do they know the floor plans at that point? Or they just know it's a... Two to three thousand feet, three to six bedrooms. They know they know generally general the number price. of bedrooms and square footage, but uh, the floor plans again, it's it's not irrelevant. They need to know that something's going to be available to fit my needs, but they're not telling them again. It, it might be rounded off to the nearest hundred thousand dollars, what the expect expected starting price mm -hmm. is going to be. But the other interesting trade off is that then your sales team doesn't necessarily have to go through all the work of getting all that ready either early on. So. Let's, let's say 60% of your reservations end up buying and 40% don't. Well, if all you've done is take a reservation and given them some basic information and said, we'll, we'll be in touch and just keep up to date on, on the basics, that's a lot less sad as a salesperson. It's still sad when they end up not moving forward, but that's a lot easier to swallow when you've lost a couple of hours versus you know a day of your life. <laughs> you know, thinking through which floor plan and which options and making all the selections, going to the design studio, getting it all locked in and then canceling. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's really cool. I like that. concept. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There's, there's, it's one of those things where pre-sale without fail continues to evolve at a more rapid race, uh, rapid pace than it has because of what's going on here. Both the virtual element that's been a necessity that, um, DeYoung has taken on and EYA, but also some of these other, um, you know, how do we capture as much of that demand as possible mm -hmm. while also not risking our profitability? It's really, really fun to see you guys innovate on that stuff. Yeah. Be interested in three years, what 
that will look right? like mm-hmm. 2024, 23. <laughs> oh. Yep. The other question, which you guys can take on first if you want, Ooh. is how much is too much to spend on advertising a community or home? Ooh. No much is too much. Oh, so, really? I'm just what? Kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> it's, I think that it depends how much is too much. Um, I wish I had a formula for that. Cause what if you have a master plan with 2,500 home sites or something? I don't know. So mm-hmm. you could spend a lot for a long time. Mm-hmm. You could, but you could, I think it's directly tied to what your goals are versus how you are performing to your goals. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what Andrew is describing is I wish there was like a, uh, a law of physics a that law gave physics. us the rule. Yes. Whereas what Becca is saying is you're defining your own laws when you yes. set your sales goals, your budgets, yeah. et cetera. I like Becca's answer because right. it'll end up being what it needs to, it will kind of end up being what it needs to be afterwards. But if you're planning like, well, we need to plan this for 2021, what should we budget for advertising our 23 mm-hmm. communities we have next year? Yep. And so, oh, go ahead, Becca. I was going to say you can benchmark it across all neighborhoods, but then you have your neighborhoods that um, are sad acres instead of happy sad acres, acres which I would, need a little bit different calculations. Yeah, I, exactly. I'd want to categorize my communities, have like a matrix of like grading, location, price point, and then like another dimension of demand for that area, all, like a few different things. So, so we're kind of forecasting like that community will not need anything. That yeah. one should probably need some help. And then coming up with like a community by community category of on just ABC or, or whatever you want to do. And then A's need 200 per month. B's need 400 per month. C's need 700 per month <laughs> at least or something. Change yeah. those numbers to whatever they, they could be. Yeah. Um, so there are some, being what it needs to be. There are some law of physics type scenarios though, because most of the time you can't make the budget be just whatever you want. So the, nego- the, the budget's going to be negotiated and it's not going to be unlimited. So there is going to be the upper limit. And um, the way that uh, Kelly Belfado uh, in the Academy was describing to, to some of the folks, her, her, you know, the one easy number is if, if 1.5%, which would be a little bit on the higher end from, from my math for most folks, if 1.5% is what you've been given from an ad perspective, of, of the revenue, then your cost per sale from a marketing perspective can't be more than 1.5% of your average sales price. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the math starts breaking down. You, you can't mm-hmm. now, but even within that, unless that's your average and some communities are doing much better. And so you're only getting 0.6% uh, of the cost in, in the sales price, then you could afford on your Australian ones to spend up to two potentially. But within a, within every community, most builders look at each neighborhood as kind of its own little company. And so when, when the amount of, of hard costs and soft costs in a neighborhood are, are exceeding, eventually they say, why are we in this neighborhood? Is this worth it? Yeah. yeah. So um, the other thing is, I, I would say there's almost no such thing as too much if you have a finite period of time in your test. Yeah. I think that's another really important concept is how much money do I need to spend to make the re- the point so clear and so ridiculously transparent that we can't mm-hmm. solve this with a with a marketing effort that there's some other issue. 
So, you know, spending $10,000 on a neighborhood, just one neighborhood in a month on social and search, it sounds crazy to me, almost regardless of where it is, almost. But yep. spending $700 in a week or $1,000 in two weeks, you know, so we, so just extrapolating out the, or, or I guess reducing the math to a compressed period of time at an accelerated spend just to see what happens. So you don't have to commit that full yep. 10 grand, you know, just a part of it. But instead of running it for the whole month, you're just going to pick a couple of days Agreed. and see what happens. Let's do the opposite question because I think that's good too. Um, oh, yes. How much is too little to spend on a community? And let's do a scenario of a struggling community and then just one that's been on like a coming pace. soon. Like, yeah, or yeah, there we go. Coming soon versus struggling. What would be the minimum you'd want to spend? Mm. Of course, we could reverse engineer based on our sales, appointments, and leads what the ideal amount should be, but maybe just like a yeah. number so people. Well, for the sake of time, because I've got to run to a, a coaching call here, oh, man. I would say three to five times the amount of traffic that it has been getting over a period of time. That's the scientific way I would say that is That's that good. makes sure everyone can feel the difference. So one of the things is if you're not spending enough to be able to create a noticeable difference for the sales team, the sales manager, everyone else at the organization, they're not mm -hmm. going to see what you've done as successful. And that report, you need that line to go like, traffic on your analytics yeah, so you can yeah. print that out like here's what i did if you're looking at the graph and you're like i'm not sure when the ad started yeah. that's mm. not enough right yeah. you need to have that hockey stick like movement there so yeah. roughly three to five times the amount of traffic it would would be a, a real quick answer at least a thousand unique page views in a 30-day period to get one sale too. That's kind of the minimum. Like if, if you're just kind of average or below average on a lot of metrics, a thousand unique page views out of, of a community page in a month should be enough. But again, it all goes back to what your goals are. We were talking to someone who has never really, they don't feel like they've ever been able to do pre-sale well. And they've always struggled with building the list, which is strange because that's the hardest, that's the easiest part of the whole process usually is building a big enough list. And we look at one that they've just started and you know, it's, it's spending $5 a day on social. Oh, well, there's your problem. And you're like, yeah, can, <laughs> can we spend more? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've been less than $500 on a problem. It's not a for sure thing because things have been so strange in, in this pandemic world, but generally speaking, to try to fix a community or sell a specific home, if you're spending less than $500 digitally between social and search, you're not going to have that type of impact that you can feel. Sweet. So that, that, that the, where this ends to me anyway is a lot of people want to spread out the wealth to everything. And that's a, that's a mistake if you've got a, a lower budget amount. If you only have $1,000 yeah. to spend and you've got eight communities, you should not do 1,000 divided by eight. You shouldn't even do 1,000 divided by six. You should pick one or two. Because again, so much of what we do is momentum. And so if you can get sales in a neighborhood that's been struggling, well, now you've got multiple months of starts and you've got activity in the neighborhood. And you, you, you know, if you can get that momentum started, you shouldn't need to be spending that same amount all the time. But if we take that thousand dollars and split it divided by eight or six or four, no one's going to feel like they're getting what they need. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. much better to be able to say to a salesperson 
or to those in a neighborhood, this is your month. Get excited. You get it And then all. be able to deliver that action and activity when you say get excited. That's a lot better than what have you done for me lately? Well, we do the same kind of basic thing and we spread it out evenly amongst everyone and everyone kind of feels like they're not getting anything. That's not, that's not good. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. This week's 360 topic of the week is a fantastic interview with Ben Rutt, the director of marketing for Keystone Custom Homes and an unexpected special guest star at The Pulse, or at least his website was. So <laughs> we wanted to bring him in to talk about what makes Keystone Custom Homes and Ben's approach to marketing so unique. We'll be right back. You must be keeping secret weapons in your fanny pack. You're like my laughing gas, you got the can to dance. You're like Lance on the mountain in the Tour de France. You got a wingspan spanning the globe. You got gold and you're teaching us all to let go. All right, joined today by someone that I'm not exaggerating. I have admired from mostly afar for a long time. Mm. Uh, ben Rutt, the VP of Sales and Marketing at Keystone Custom Homes, and perhaps the most famous attendee of Pulse 2020. I think so. Even though no one saw his face because we showed <laughs> a photo gallery functionality on your site, and it caused everyone to go crazy. Welcome, Ben. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm I, a little bit embarrassed by your introduction, but I, I well, humble. help, help me humble. go through a stroll down memory lane here. Cause I'm not even sure how long we have known each other. I feel like it's been a long time. Well, Normally, I think you were talking about admiring from afar and I've obviously like many in the industry have admired you from afar for a long time, um, both in what you've done and, and the way that you conduct what you do. And yeah, I think we met at your summit. Um, Maybe. Is that really the first time? I feel like Which I met one? you. Did you ever go to any Myers Barnes events or Jeff Shore events or anything? No, you, no. you're like in the no. you're in the shadows. Yes. Builder shows? Any uh, builder shows? Oh, uh, maybe that's builder we shows. We just get the highlights. Yeah. No builder oh man, we'll go, go this year. It's for cool. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no excuses. Go. Well, that's crazy. So yeah, yeah maybe maybe you just was emailed it Dallas me. or Phoenix? <sighs> the summit. Yeah, do you remember the first summit you came or, to? Um, I remember meeting you at Dallas. Yeah, we were in Dallas. That's right. Okay. okay. That's right. So that's just a yep. few. If, it seems like it's so much farther. Okay. Then more than that. And then you're also part of a, of a mysterious and, and slightly famous marketing group, right? Do you, do you meet with other builders ever? And just yeah. Talk we were part of a, a benchmark group. Uh, yeah. So not a builder 20. It's like that's your right. own thing. That's right. Yeah. It's Chuck and Emma Shin with uh, benchmark. Yep. And I feel oh. like then the first time we met would have been either through social or email where you were asking pre-sale questions ah, because yes. Mr. Rutt and, and those who work with him have never been shy about asking questions either. So we, we do periodically get little, little questions, but yeah, it's, I guess it hasn't been as long as it feels like it, it has been, but we wanted to have you on and we've been chasing you for a while. And then the craziness of the pulse happened and I have two mixed emotions. One immense pride, even though we don't work with you at all, like ever. I don't think we, we I mean, it's, it has been like this <laughs> relationship from afar. I feel like so we do. But just I have this pride, I have this pride of what you've, you've done. Got and, I, yeah, this, this is like the most um, it's good. embarrassed. That's We're all we embarrassed want. now. You're embarrassing me. I'm embarrassing you. I have this sense of pride, even though I haven't worked with you, of what you've done and accomplished and, and not just in home building. We'll get to that too. And, and yet at the same time, there's this other feeling, which is a totally wrong, bad, shameful feeling of me of like, 
I had everything this guy has done, which no one else has been able to do for a lot of it. Uh, it are things that like I, my website had very similar functionality to yours. I might even argue better, but that would seem even more rude mm. like eight <laughs> years ago. And meaning that the functionality for those of you who haven't seen it link in the show notes for sure. Go see it. Photo gallery where you can check off different items. Well, you, you explain how it works, Ben, and then I'll explain how mine yeah, has to work. You built how it. It's different. You yeah, yeah. Made this I'd be happy to explain it. I will tell you when you shared that with the industry, industry professionals, I was like, and I didn't tell you. <laughs> well, no, it, that was, that was great. We had a great internal dialogue going on our team's messages. The team was really excited about that because it was a Good. lot of, a lot of effort. And obviously we have a great amount of respect for you. You guys are on first name basis with our team. Um, but when it's inside the industry, there's a certain feeling. It's like, Oh man, there's not a lot of, polish on it right mm. it doesn't look perfect and you know we're putting something out there that it's like we think that it's great for the consumer but we're not submitting it for any awards <laughs> you know, we don't feel like it's we don't feel like it's perfect uh but dumb better than perfect and that's that's what our thought thought process was yeah it's it is it is a work in progress but you have you know there. I don't even know how many there are. There's probably oh, probably six or seven thousand photos. Six or seven thousand photos tagged with tagged with every almost, option. I, yeah, sorry, okay. I should have explained that. So yeah, it has, every option. That's right. So it has not just most builder websites you go on, and I went before we designed this. I went on probably every one of the top two hundred builders, looking at looking for <laughs> like if anybody has this because I'd rather borrow some ideas than yeah. create it from scratch. And most builders websites have what the room is. So it has kitchens, you know, dining rooms, living right. rooms, baths. And, but if you wanted any additional information, like what kind of kitchen is this? Or what kind of cabinet is it? You couldn't find that information, of course. And how dare you uh, even ask that kind of a thing? Yeah. <laughs> why would you want to see photos? How dare you want to know what color that color is? Or Right. <laughs> of course, that's not true because the buyers wanted to know. I know is that they would walk over from the design studio, you know, and they'd be like, Hey, do you have any pictures of XYZ bath package? Yep. And the marketing team, you know, would, would go through our photos and be able to like send them a JPEG of, of it. And, or if you happen to know the model in a community that was still active and you could dig through the photos and you could find it. Uh, if you're Sherlock Holmes and could search the website like that. But you know, we decided that, hey, the consumer deserves to have this information and uh, it makes it much easier um, to find it. So if just broad level functionality, you can click into like a broad category, uh, like a room and you know, search in. If you just want to see pictures of kitchens, you can do that. But if you want to see pictures of our classic kitchen with white cabinets and a specific countertop, you can drill in multiple levels deep and get to, if we, assuming we have a picture of it, you can find exactly what you're looking for. So and I mean, each, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you first. Say, so each photo might have 10 to 20 tags on it or filters yeah, apply so to the photo. That's right. Everything that's in that photo, <laughs> like, so it would be the flooring, uh, the countertop, the cabinet, the light fixtures uh, is going to be in that photo as long as it's you know generally in the yeah. foreground of the photo. And um, so we'll, we go through and take the selection sheets and then, you know, put the, put that information on the website. Wow. Um, that's a lot of time and man hours. How is that? How do you scale that? Or do you just, well, out of time, Andrew, just one. 
We just get one yeah. done. You know, Paul Graham uh, talked about this idea with Airbnb about do things that don't scale. And so if you think about it, it's like, well, I can't do thousands of them, but we can do enough. And so we started with this and see, we saw what the reception was from the public and from our team and they loved it. You know, and we started going deeper and deeper, right? Of course, it had to be enough to make it functional from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We couldn't do that with just one home. But I th what I love is Amazing. you're solving two two problems for two different customers or the same problem for two different customers is there's the internal team's challenge of I could make a sale if I could show something yes. that I have a hard time finding on the spot. And then also from the customer's perspective, them wanting for the same reason, but from a different different angle. But uh, to give you guys an idea of of where this has gone to now, if I click under Windows... There are 175 images tagged with Transom 2020s. There are, there's only one Transom 6010. Uh, there's 137 Transom 6020. So if I just want to look at rooms from any floor plan, and then once I go into one of those images, it still is telling me, so now I'm looking at a picture with those Transom windows. Carpet is the finest detail vellum. Paint is agreeable gray, the best gray ever. Uh, it's an owner suite everything. and the, and the transom. The only thing you really haven't done is where did you buy that bed from? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's really the that. only thing missing yeah. to that, to that point. Yeah. As you know, that that's probably the most common question we get on, uh, on social media, but the, um, <laughs> yeah, that level of detail, we feel like, you know, you were talking about our internal customers and the external customers, but we, we felt like this actually solved two uh, problems for two different types of external customers where you have the uh, top of funnel. Hey, I just want to see, do these guys build beautiful homes? Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can solve that objection right from the very beginning, right? We build beautiful homes and you can see them all right from the beginning. And then there's also the, the lower in the funnel customer, the one that has their floor plan picked out and they're choosing between two different types of kitchens that customer we can address as well because they don't have to like dig, dig, dig on the website to find exactly what they're looking for. Did you ever consider gating this information? No, I don't believe in that. I love it. I like that. <laughs> yes. Because they're Everyone even needs the builder that this. we are working with right now, even they have floor plans on their website and they're a custom builder that are, they call them different last names. So I guess in someday you may see the Oakley floor plan and you'd all know what we built. And uh, that's interesting in and of itself. They're, just, it. they're named <laughs> yeah. the person who built it. Then when we reached out to them. They're like, oh, well, we also have a secret log and we can give you a whole bunch of other floor plans to look at. And I was just mm -hmm. like, huh? Wait, what? what? Why? Uh, so, you know, I heard a long time ago, data yearns to be free, right? Mm -hmm. And so information yearns to be free. And of course, there's some information that we don't publish, like, we have a whole login to actually choose the options mm. for your home, which includes mm -hmm. pricing. We don't put that on our external website. And of course, yep. there's some builders that do that with their interactive floor plans. We've chosen not to at this moment. And um, I, uh, let's talk about that for a minute because I think both answers are correct. You just have to know your customers, the customers you're serving, where they're coming mm -hmm. from and who you are as a builder. Because if you are uh, a custom builder like yourself, you need to be able to provide context around yeah. Like, what does that really include? It's not just this thing that it added a little extra square on the floor plan, but there's these other details and pieces and 
and issues that are important to understand. Right, right. I, I think there is some part of, um, I, actually, I think this is one of your first episodes with Will Duderstadt, uh, was talking about like information and making that all available. Don't gate information on your website. Yeah, because the customer will find it anyway, or else mm-hmm. they won't call you. We have to provide enough that they get, they're satisfied with the information that they find. Uh, but there's one piece there at the end where we feel like um, this really needs to be part of a conversation with, with an educated new home advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a production builder, where no, you, you really are just getting that extra square. Like, it's drywall, right. there's carpet, there's a, there's a, <laughs> a piece of uh, a trim on the baseboard and that's it. Like that's what you're paying mm-hmm. for. It's pretty, pretty straight, clear cut. Um, and then, and so your buyer profile, but your price point and the type of homes you build, I don't think any of them are going to be surprised when your online team or anywhere, it's like, we need to talk, we need to have a little conversation here because we could go in many different directions. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we feel like, uh, it, it's actually interesting that we, compete uh, a lot with, you know, we're here in Pennsylvania and Maryland. We compete a lot with NVR, who you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we start, you know, base prices about that same price point as, as Ryan or NVR does. And, but we're providing that little level of customization, personalization without being a full on custom builder. Yeah. And, but it, the reason that I say that is because Offering these things on our website, I'm thinking when we're offering it, what really sets us apart from the buyer? What drives profitability? What drives margins for us? And what drives uh, more buyers to purchase with us? It's that level of customization and personalization. Yeah, and and you're conveying that. I can tell That's you, the if, my, if my wife or other people looked at the seven thousand pictures, yeah, and they're not all clearly the same thing, just slightly different. You know there is that perception that while well, they call themselves custom, it's in their name. They have 7,000 different pictures. I believe that whatever that means. And we've talked before with others, like what does custom mean is completely different. And right. And so I think you're, you're conveying that the best way that you can. Okay. I, w- I have a couple nitty gritty details. You can always hit pass. That's okay. allowed yep. on this show. Me but, too. <laughs> but, um, how long from the time you started, this idea to, to getting kind of the first viable version of it. Do you feel like it took you? Uh, either going to encourage or discourage a lot of people listening. Yeah. You know, you said, I I think you had said in your last episode, Hey, we're going to, uh, drive a lot of web developers crazy. And you're probably right about that. (laughs) This was, this is way more complicated than it looks on the outset. Um, we view things like the little duck paddling about, uh, maybe says easy, does hard, like mm-hmm. you know, swimming easy on the top of the surface, but paddling like crazy underneath. We want to make it easy for the customer, but we're putting the work on our shoulders, right? Yeah. It's, it took a long time. I'm thinking nine, 10, maybe 12 months uh, to get this, to get this um, all going. I, t- I totally believe it. So I'll, I'm going to come right back to you with the details, but to give the context of where I came from, it took us about a year to build ours. And ours functioned where it was all content from all sources. So if we, if someone typed in angled kitchen Island, it would pull in image results. Like you have the ability to filter here. Then it would pull in uh, floor plans where that was listed as a feature of the floor plan. 
so you could link directly to the different plans. It would pull in blog posts that maybe the designer had referenced angled kitchen islands, or there's a picture in the blog post of an angled kitchen island, and then videos that were similarly text. So it was kind of site-wide, even inventory homes that were available with that feature. But it took us a solid year and probably is going to freak some people out, probably $60,000 in total. It was not cheap. It was not cheap. It was not fast. But there was nothing else worth spending that $60,000 on. That's, That's where if you set that budget up properly and you do the basics well, then you look at it and you're like, well, I could spam people. I could buy an email list. I could go crazy on print ads, maybe run a couple of billboards, or I could do this thing that, like you said, it's not, and, and this is why this doesn't exist. And a lot of things from, from my site from 10 years ago doesn't exist is one, the first question for everyone, which is why we're so happy that you've done this is, well, who else has done it, Kevin? Can you send me another builder who's done it? <laughs> uh, that's the first like challenge. That. So now, yes, we can send them to you and see that it's been done. Second challenge is I remember probably four years ago now being at a website uh, developer's offices who is in Kansas City and being told that's ridiculous because no builder, like we would build it, Kevin, we would build it and then no builder would ever use it. So what's the point? Hmm. And that as a builder who had done it really made me super happy with them. No, I was frustrated. It's like, that's not your decision. You're building the tool. Let put mm-hmm. on the builder. So that I think that's the other part of your time frame is it took you a while to build the the functionality with your website partner on the site itself. But mm-hmm. then the number of hours total of your team, yeah, just looking at the matrix and deciding what are the tags we're going to use and and what's the process and that's a whole nother beast. Well, right. I think the the hangup for a lot of people will the for this will be just the immense effort that it takes to pull all of the pieces together, both the technical part from the web developer side and then just the design part to find exactly what these options are and frankly keeping it updated because as you know, mm-hmm. there's stuff getting dropped all the time. So we've got a flooring in there. We want to make sure we go back and manage the old tags to remove that flooring. Uh-huh. ideas are easy to come by. It's the execution and the completion of them, which is the difficult part. It's uh, essential. This reminds me of, I'm going way back when I did e-commerce for automotive and we'd have the year make model and then yes. the model selector and have the stock. So that's essentially what you're running, except you have year make model and then like 50 other options. And if a product or a picture goes out of stock because you don't carry it anymore, you then have to have a trigger to like, oh, we need to get rid of that. Hopefully you get that trigger. If not, it's not, but at the same time, it's not a huge deal if, because there's probably something comparable, like, oh, you really love that floor. Here's the new version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they spend three hours in the gallery looking, which is the, that's the end goals for them to spend the time in there. How long does it take to tag like a photo and who would, what's that process? Yeah. Look and feel so like? maybe is I should just, explain what the, yeah. should explain the team sh- what our team structure is. Yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about who the heck your builder is yet. We got yeah. a long ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> we just dove right in the deep end. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, so we have a, I mean, we just have a great team and without, the idea is just be living in my head without the team make, making it happen. So we have a uh, marketing coordinator and a con- um, content manager is the one that's tagging these, uh, tagging these photos. 
Um, and then we have great, like a great class of interns that are coming in and helping with that process in addition to, um, you know, the, separately, uh, but a, a team of online advisors as well. I love, I love the word interns. I love the word content manager, content curator. I met someone today who is the head of product marketing hmm. and they're just going to be in charge of floor plans, renderings, and having kind of the final stamp of this picture is good enough to represent this house on the site. That's interesting. I was listening to, it was driving back from Tampa this morning, as Elon Musk interview, and they were talking about his time and what he does during the day. Allegedly, 80% of his day is on design and engineering. That's all he does. I'm like, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like home building, like I said, like we have marketing, we have sales, that's things that have to happen. But like the homes, that's, that's what's being sold. Like be interesting if that was, each leader's focus, that's all they focused on. What homes would look like. I don't know. I was getting ahead of myself thinking about it. I'm yeah, like, oh, well, what would that be like if that's all the leadership homes did would be was, better? Is that's all they 80% of their time was looking at floor plans and well, yeah. what it looked like to live in this home or community. It's something that's interesting, just the way that we're set up, uh, different than probably most builders. We have to give you context on the builder, we build about 400 homes a year, 90% on our communities, about 10% on your lot. Man, and this is Heartland Homes of, of old. Yeah. Exact. Yeah, it's very similar type of setup there. So, and it's about 95% detached, single family mm -hmm. detached homes. Um, but just because of the nature of being a smaller family business, um, I've been fortunate to be able to be involved in multiple categories, including the design studio and product development. But I do find it helpful to have that product development connected with sales and marketing. Yeah. Right. Uh, down to not just floor plan development, but, you know, options. Features yeah. This is like what we talked about with Steve Whaley, the alignment of those things. It's not yes. that you're ultimately accountable and leading or need to be, but to not have a voice at the table discussing those things is a, is a big miss. And right. You know, that, that okay, whole idea of we, we built, we built the ugly pig. Now put the lipstick on it. Marketing. That's your job. That just doesn't, doesn't work long-term for anyone. Yeah. For anyone. So, so that's, that's not a small number of homes. So your team size at first, when you said that, I was thinking, Hmm, that's a lot of people, but that's not, that's not crazy for your size. I don't think. Every, I mean, the, the context is hard because everyone has different things that they call uh, marketing, what they outsource, what they mm -hmm. outsource. How, what, what do you outsource? Uh, graphic design. Okay. Work. We do, we use Canva, but yeah, I mean, for, you know, brochures for quick delivery homes, but um, we outsource most work related to um, graphic design. Uh, all of our Google ads work. It's outsourced. We do in-source mm -hmm. uh, Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. um, we just haven't found the right mix there. Someone that gets it in, a, in sure. enough of a finite detail of what we need. Yeah. And your background, so it's family business. Your dad yes. started the company. Is that correct? Yeah. My dad started the company in 1992. Okay. So you Very went cool. to college and thought, I want to be a builder when I grew up? Or were you down a different track originally? Yeah. I, I did always want to do that in kind of what I'm doing right now, honestly, the sales and marketing side. And, uh, but part of our uh, family business, like kind of the ethos was that um, 
there would be no nepotism. And, you know, so we had to go down, you know, work somewhere else, be successful elsewhere before mm-hmm. joining the business. And so I sold real That's estate, uh, like I general brokerage that. real estate. For like three or four years? Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. About four That's- years did that. And, you know, successful doing that and then came in, sold homes for Keystone. And, um, you know, and then I worked in supply chain management and that's where I picked up some of the product development work, worked in sales management and then took over where there was a need in marketing. That's so cool. I mean, this reminds me, I don't think I've publicly said congratulations, by the way, but a big congratulations to Mr. Steve Shoemaker. He is, he is now the president at Ideal Homes. Wow. He's, he's big stuff, man. Oh, and Steve. So, so Love it. Th- this, I'm tying this back to what you said before, Andrew, is the trend definitely does seem to be that designers or people who can speak to consumer desires and needs through design, whether that's product, visual design, packaging, um, everything that it could encompass design, that seems to be the biggest trend of people leading the biggest, most successful tech organizations right now is they have a designer or UX, UI background. And the rest, it's kind of like, oh yeah, the coding, like that's cool. We got people who do that, but that's not the hardest, most valuable part of this. And that's that's really exciting to, to see because designers for so long were the the people you brought in for the 20 minutes of creative thinking and then said, mm. see you later. We're going to get to work now on like the real business stuff. And, and it's definitely shifted. Now, you, Ben, you said you've done something else that I've talked about for, I feel like, forever. Uh, you have a, a, an app that helps people go through the process of building the home. Yeah, we do. And, and by the way, Kevin, if you have any other ideas, I'd be glad to like take them, just run with it and steal them. So, <laughs> no, just keep I, listening. Yeah. So, we um, we created an app for uh, buyers walking through the construction process. This is not for prospects. They get uh, login when they sign their contract, and it gives the buyer an idea every single day of the construction process exactly where we stand. Uh, not just yes, we're under construction, but here's exactly what's happening today. And then you can sign and see the bar across the top and showing. Nice. Uh, how far you've progressed uh, during the construction process. In addition, you have like direct messages back and forth with the construction manager or any el- anyone else involved in the mm-hmm. process and then photos where you can leave messages right on the photo um, and send those back and forth. Has that made the build process a more pleasant and positive experience for your buyers? Yes, I believe so. We've yeah. we've also during this process had this COVID thing happening. Yeah, about that. <laughs> so uh, creating you know delays and and whatnot through the process, but ultimately, yes, absolutely. We've sent man, uh, I think it's about twelve thousand messages to wow. the app right now, and about six thousand photos going back and forth uh, between construction manager and customer. Very nice. Because you said all in one place instead of being text message, email, something uh-huh. else. And then, hey, if your construction manager changes at some point in the process, that's all lost, right? Yeah. And so I read yeah. in the 2018 uh, consumer uh, report by Zillow, which they do a fantastic job with those yeah, uh, reports. But 
I had to go back and reference it. Of uh, 2018, they had wrote, um, a customer had said, if only there was an app where uh, the builder would communicate transparently with exactly what was happening in the process. And that resonated with me. It's like, of course. And of course, everyone has, a lot of people have had this idea. There should be an app. It took, it says easy, it says hard. It took a lot, lot of hours, hundreds of hours by a lot of different yeah. people to be able to make this happen. Well, and this is, this brings me back to a point that we talked about for a moment at the polls, but I feel like people may have missed it because sometimes I don't do a good job of explaining everything that's going through my head at the same time. Finding out what you're good at and what you're capable of doing is really important as a builder. So Ben's talking about building an app for people under backlog, which I did at Heartland uh, as well. We were using WordPress to power it, ironically, um, back then. I don't know. You're nodding your head. Is that you guys using WordPress too? No. Okay. 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 I was going to say that. It's based on a SQL, you know, it's a SQL database. Okay. I, I figured there was probably a better, easier way than, than using WordPress where every home was basically a blog post in essence. And it, it was, it was, it, it worked, but it was interesting way to get there. Yeah. Um, and so you might think to yourself, well, gosh, maybe I should do what Ben did and go build my own. Not necessarily like uh, we would, I think we'd all encourage people to do that if they felt like they had a true ability to get there, but just because you have an idea or a thought, again, like you said, doesn't mean you should do all those things. Like there is Builder Trend, Builder Trend and Builder Book both yep. exist for a reason. There's the My Home Story app. There's uh, Novi Show. There's all these different other ways to get there. For some of you listening, you should build your own thing and you know why. And if you can articulate why, th- th- then maybe so. But there's a whole bunch of you who should not even attempt to do that because you're not really technologically minded. You don't understand how the structure and data would work to like, if you can't, I don't, I don't know the right way to put the words to this. Either one of you can hop in, but like, if you can't articulate at least 70% of it, you probably should just go find an off the shelf answer. Yeah. You need to be able to like visualize all the connections, I think, and be able to see that flow. You're going to have to lead the train. Even if you hire a developer or work with someone else, they're going to have a thousand more questions for you of what do you really mean by that? And when you keep, if you, if in that process, you're not able this, I know it it brings you back to the Chihuly method that I've talked about uh, over time, right? Chihuly doesn't blow any of the dang glass, but he makes these amazing things that have his name on them all over the place. He's a fantastic glass sculptures. He doesn't make any of it. He sketches it on a piece of paper and says, this is what I want. Now, glass blower, do your thing. He, it's his thing, but if, 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 if you or I just walked up to a glass blower and said, can you make something cool? And that's the direction we give them. Yeah. It's not going to be a Chihuly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's something to keep in mind here is. Ben's I'm not trying mind, to, yeah. the, the reason that I'm okay talking with you about it is because I don't think the idea is the thing that's the right. unique item. Mm-hmm. Right. And because I don't think someone's going to be able to come out here tomorrow and be able to replicate that. The, it takes a lot of effort. And, and of course, there's off-the-shelf solutions. And we've, we had looked at those. We thought with just the way that our internal database, our internal yeah. systems were set up, we had so much more potential to be able to show things that an off-the-shelf solution couldn't right. offer. Yeah, I, my, exactly. My point is just that there are builders that I first talked to nine years ago who were building their own internal CRM who are still building their own internal CRM. 
And the, mm. and the nine years in between are trying to use some form of Excel and Google Docs and whatever else. To, it's like, Ugh, yeah. you've wasted nine years. You could have started with something else while that other thing was being, and, and it, again, it's just not their, it's not their core competency. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing that. What I, I like have about- Some nightmares on that tonight. What I like <laughs> about that is I'm just thinking about my building experience. And if something like that would have been used, I think it could have been interjected with, hey, we're on- Trim. Here's the five articles, videos, educational things about trim. So if we were to visit the home or if someone were to visit the home, they would have the, the correct expectations based on the builder, based on yeah. the price point, based on all this really, stuff. Really, they, should, like, they oh. should send that to you when the flooring's like, installed. So when you go and see the gap, you don't think they did it wrong, but yeah, you know like, this is, is where the right? trim will go. <laughs> That's why exactly. trim exists. Which would yeah. make everything seamless. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you guys are doing things like that. Um, well, yeah, it. we don't have that yet. And actually, maybe uh -huh. that's a good point. Well, there you is go. That we, there's so many possibilities. There's uh -huh. hundreds it's and infinite. thousands yeah. of possibilities of things that we could do. It's the, we pared it down yeah. to do the things that we could get done, that we could ship, right? <laughs> right? As yeah. Steve Jobs says, real artist ship, right? Ship it. Uh -huh. And so we got it done and we shipped it. And then, you know, we tagged down in version two and then we'll be continuing to tag on. But we didn't want to get into idea overload where it just know. sinks and never gets done. Yeah. I'll share the worst thing that I've ever done in this uh, idea realm is we, and not that it's not a good idea now, maybe for some people, but when I, we bought our first home from a company named Rockford here in Columbus, the salesperson, after we signed the agreement, said, welcome to the neighborhood. Here's the Excel sheet printed out of all the people who live here who have opted into this community document. This is the ages of their kids, if they babysit, who has dogs, just like the core things you would want to know coming to a community. And I just, I still think that's an awesome thing that he was doing. And I, and the idea was before Facebook groups existed, this was 2011, 12, we were working yeah. on this, was let's create our own. Uh, I think at the time we were modeling it off of Basecamp or um, some type of, of software like that of like, let's have our own communities that people can join where they can message and share pictures. And, and we blew probably almost 40 grand on that idea, created something and then did not have the bandwidth of the team to curate and, and like, how do you encourage people to opt in who closed three years ago to make this thing come alive? There were things we just hadn't thought about. And so no surprise, Kevin Oakley should not try to create a quasi-social network while working in marketing at a home builder, right? That's, that was the level too far for us. That was, that was not a place we should have gone. Mm. But mm. everything else had worked so well that we kind of thought maybe we could, we could do that too. And we yeah, could. Yeah. Minus touch. Well, you don't, yeah. You can't succeed unless you try a few things that maybe have the possibility of not working. Yep. Yep. All right. I want to shift gears um, somewhat dramatically. Definitely. Um, make sure you connect with Ben online. Great, great individual. Lots of things to to watch and and learn from him. Because uh, you're a young guy. What are you like? Twenty nine years old or something. So he'll be around. Yeah. He'll be around a while. Thirty one. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, oh, I wasn't that far perfect. off. We're like twins. Ah, <sighs> turn no, forty. I have four in March. kids. You. I think you. How many? Oh, oh, you guys are both crazy. I only have three. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something else that makes. Keystone Custom Homes unique uh, that your your father started a long time ago, and it's it's super important to me. Uh, I did this talk at 
um, 40 under 42, three years ago of, you know, you're going to get to a level of success in your career where it's now more important what you're passing on to others in the organization than what you are actually doing. And that's a trap that a lot of managers fall into is that I heard actually this, I, I wish I could attribute it. It takes a really brave manager to do less of the actual work and realize that the team has got to succeed or fail. And your work is the team, not the thing that's being manufactured. It takes an incredibly brave person to, to put it on the line for their team to be that way. So that's, that's a, that's a big, but the, the other part is we have these skills that we've created and honed to the point where this thing that used to be daunting to us five years ago of like, oh my gosh, we got to launch a new neighborhood. This is just going to be like, this is so hard. And then you get a process internally documented and you, you, okay, that's not so hard anymore. There's things you've picked up there that you need to, I believe we all need to be bringing to the nonprofit uh, missions world as well, because they just, they don't have the ability to get the same level of expertise that so many of us have locked away that we take for granted. Um, so talk a little bit about what Keystone does and kind of how that came about. Yeah. Yeah, so this is something that's really we're passionate about building homes and taking care of our customers. Um, but you know, where our true passion lies and the fabric of who we are is uh, giving back and giving back specifically uh, to the work um, that's happening. Yeah, but that everyone says wrong. they give back. Everyone says that. that. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not going to let you underhype yourself on this sense. You're giving back at a whole different. It's the underhype man. That's good. Right? Humble. Yeah. It, which is good. We, we love, we love humble, driven, happy people, but this is, this is at a different scale. The, the, it's almost like the company has existed for a different purpose. Not unlike, um, and I don't yeah. know if, if you guys all know each other, Beaten Bow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, we're close with them. Okay. So yeah, I mean, continue, but it's, this is not a small, like we, we plant a tree kind of get back. No. <laughs> yeah. We, you will not see us at the uh, with the gigantic size check, you know, handing it over with the photographer that happens to be there as well. Right? That's a perfect visual. Yes, that is not yeah. what we're talking about. That's yeah. not <laughs> that's not who we are. Um, but yeah, to give you, we've been doing this for a long time, um, and you know, part started with you know building a what we'd call a charity home, which is not mm -hmm. uh, which is a home that's just like any other home on the street built by our trade partners. But they uh, donate their time and sometimes donate the materials, and we're able to give those profits back uh, to the work that's happening, Hope International. So there's been a lot of builders around the country, and that's awesome too. Involved with this, Ho Ho Hope, but it, that's like St. Jude Homes. I'm just saying, I'm going to yeah. keep hyping you up. This is even beyond like. Then those are great too. We love builders who do that and work with Habitat and all the rest. Mm -hmm. You guys just keep pushing it to another level. So yeah, so we yeah, so we tried to do that of of. It's not just about writing the check, but being involved. And we actually, uh -huh. um, a year ago, uh, a year and a half ago or so, we actually donated 89% of the company away wow. uh, to an organization called National Christian Foundation, but for the benefit of Hope International, which gives small loans to people around the world, changing their lives. We actually have given about a, uh, Hope has, not Keystone, but Hope has given away about a billion dollars in loans or has done about a billion dollars of loans to about a million clients. Like that that yeah. is the coolest thing I have that's heard crazy. in all of 2020. That is, that's, that's 89%. Awesome. That's a lot. And that's a continuous. Yeah. So it allows like a, it to, mm -hmm. we operate just like we have forever, right? For 
you know, a new employee starting or someone that's been here, it would not look anything different. But we shared that with the team because we believe that people want to be involved in something that's bigger than themselves and really have meaningful impact around the world. There's been a lot of studies about that with the millennial generation, but I believe that that's more broad than that. Uh, that people want to be doing something that has meaningful impact. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. we actually started to, and actually you brought up Beat and Bow. We're not quite to Beat and Bow's level here, but we started uh, sending our team, uh, if they've been with our company for five years, we send them to, them to Dominican Republic to view the work there, stay at a resort, but see that. Mm-hmm. And then at 10 years, we send our team to Zimbabwe and they can see the work that we're doing wow. there in Zimbabwe. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, no communities cool. there, no home, home building operation there. My dad uh, we're not texted homes me in Zimbabwe, but they can see the work there. My wow. dad texted me one Sunday afternoon, and he's like, uh, "They just showed a video in church of this company. Uh, I can't even pronounce their name, but somewhere down in Texas or around." I was like, "Oh, Beatonville." He's like, "Yes, like you need to tell them that there's like people in Ohio who know what they're doing. It's it, they're they're an incredible organization too." Mm-hmm. Uh, and what yeah. they're doing. But yeah, I mean, you, you guys are helping in, in Haiti, Rwanda, Central Asia, Ukraine, Dominican Republic, the Congo. Um, and and so it's, it is this purpose. It's the mission. And that's what, um, right, right way to say this, right? Uh, a lot of the country has become uh, non, non-religious or mm-hmm. um, agnostic or take it. And, and there's still this hole of meaning that if, if you don't, use that type of relationship to fill, you, you have to have a reason. And I think that's where this approach allows even people who, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining not everyone in your organization would correct uh, believe hundred percent in everything that's being done or why, but how can you argue with helping small businesses and homes to be built and everything else that we can all agree on the, on that front? Right. And we don't, I mean, certainly that's not people from all faith backgrounds or lack of a faith background. They, uh, it's not about that. It's about that they can, um, certainly that's a component, but they can be involved in this. And you can't deny when you hear the story of lives being changed because they had opportunity, you know, access to education and capital that they can uh, invest in their business and grow it and now be able to send their kids to school and it can change generations to come. Uh, there's an undeniable impact there. And so that, you know, for all members of our team, I think, you know, they can engage with that no matter what their background is. And for our customers too, that's not why someone buys a home with us, Um, but they also want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. So we started to share that story with them, not in a way to pat pat ourselves on the back. Sure. In a way to let them know, hey, because you bought a home with us, you know, you've impacted the lives of this many people. Yeah. I remember when my wife, who worked as a dental hygienist, uh, when I first met her, she had already been working because I I married an older older lady. She, she's four and a half years older than me, so she had been working for almost ten years, I think, um, when we when we got married. But I remember one year the dentist office that she worked in, you know, these folks had everything they ever wanted, and so they were like, one year they donated money to buy supplies for two or three families, videotaped it, and it was like all done in their honor. And that was like that that dentist was like, this is the best thing that anyone's ever done. And, and so it is, it is that you don't have to do it as a, as a look at what we did. They just want to feel involved. Right. Um, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
All right. Well, I hope to have your dad on at some point because we need to, we need, I know there are people listening because one of the, I talk about similar ideas a lot of, of how to get involved and, and people are always like, well, sign me up for that. So there's, there's energy, uh, even someone who had, um, uh, breast cancer that we worked with recently, it's like, okay, I'm a marketer for a home builder. I had breast cancer. I left. And now you better believe I'm going to take my skill set at marketing and communication. And I'm going to talk about like the need to be screened and what to do. Like I, I can now add something next. I'm still going to be able to do my normal job, but this is another, another passion of mine. So I'd love to talk to your dad about just how that yeah. kind, of, kind of more of the, the, the parts of how that came about. Yeah. For him. We've, we tried to uh, have this be something, you know, it started with a little builder in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but, you know, we've had uh, dozens of builders across the country engage with this in that same way, be able mm-hmm. to help give back, you know, give back here. And so it provides them an avenue to be able to do that. It's something that they want to do anyway, and their teams want to do, but they don't have the infrastructure set up. So help get them all involved uh, through uh, Homes for Hope, which gives back to Hope International. Awesome. Okay. Last question. Amazing. What is the big, hairy, audacious goal between now and 2022? What's the... That's got to be something. What's the thing that you'd like to tackle? Maybe your team's about to find this out for the first time when they listen to the episode. But (laughs) what's on the wish list for Ben Rutt? We're we're working on something right now that is probably just as audacious as the app was. And it may sound simple for a a lot of people, but it wasn't for us. uh, something that we're, you know, our code name internally is called Simply Key, where mm-hmm. it's, we have so many different options mm. available, tens of thousands of options, but we're providing curated selections of those options. Yeah. Um, where to make it, you know, I think Jeff Shore says easy equals right. You know, we want to make it easy to purchase the home mm-hmm. as easy as it is to go to big builder down the street, but with us that you can start with that and then use that to build off of and customize those options beyond that. Yeah. No, that's a big, that's a lot of internal conversations because now again, this yeah. isn't something marketing can do on its own. It's, it's costing, no. it's purchasing, it's architecture, it's, whole it's, it's everyone. Right. It's much more complicated than it looks to be able to add, you know, certain level, certain options in all types of different models, you know, floor plans, elevations, yep. and be able to make it really simple and easy for the customer. So that's what we're trying to do. So more broadly, just trying to make the process easy. Mm -hmm. Easy for the customer. As easy as buying a resale as much as we can while providing the benefits of customization. Music to my ears. I mean, when we built with Heartland as employees, so it's it's like you, we had a a crazy number of pre-priced options Mm -hmm. and then you could also do custom. But I never felt overwhelmed because I knew the company so well that... I've said this before. You just didn't have to worry. Like, okay, I'm getting the fireplace. I don't have to worry. Is the fireplace trim going to be ugly or nice? Like, it's going to be nice. And so I don't even, unless I really care about it, I'm moving on to the next thing. And that is something that is different this time around is there's just a ton of extra questions with the builder we're working with now who's not as big to have those kind of systems where it's like, I just don't even know when to bring this up. Do I bring it up? Do I bring up my extra hundred questions now? Because the first four I asked, one of them was like, oh, well, that's something we worry about when the trim carpenters start. Don't even, why are you even asking mm-hmm. about that? So now I, it's, it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> and, and that just creates this idea of, I, I just, uh, that, that unknowing is, is what's not 
comforting to, to a home buyer for sure. And so simplification in the line of building trust, I think it's, 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 it's trust that you're curating the right designs, the right, right. trends, the right. And, and so that's, it's, it's the trust factor as much as the simplicity, because you could have simple right. options that I don't like and don't believe in and don't trust. And that's for not some gonna, buyers, they just say, Hey, I don't know what tile looks good in the bathroom. You tell me. Right. And so, but like, if we know what their design style is, Hey, we got something that's going to be like kind of a Joanna Gaines inspired type of you know, yeah. modern farmhouse look. All right. That type of tile, I don't want to pick it out because I don't want to get it wrong. But if I can have, you know, somebody pick that out for me and then I can change one or two things that w- I think that's the type of thing that we're looking for. And you'll have photos to back it up and they could. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're yeah. like, Oh, let's go in. Let's go to gallery. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome, Ben. Well, thanks again for joining us. Super excited to get you on the program. Yeah. And yeah, make sure you connect with him on on LinkedIn and everywhere else. Check out Keystone Custom Homes. Good luck creating your own photo gallery and video gallery and interactive tour gallery. So many galleries need to be made. All of it. (laughs) All right. We'll see you, Ben. Thank you, guys. You must be keeping secret weapons in your fanny pack. You're like my laughing gas, you got the can to dance. You're like Lance on the mountain in the Tour de France. You got a wingspan spanning the globe. You got gold and you're teaching us all to let go. You're a wise And we're back. Super excited that you all got to meet Ben virtually. We're also going to have his father on the podcast to talk about how they got more involved in philanthropic efforts. And I just think it's just super amazing what they're doing around the world yeah. with all the success that they're having in their marketplace. So let's move on to this week's question of the week. Becca? Do you expect 2021 to be an easier or a harder year for new home marketers? So this is going to be really interesting to see everyone's answers because I mean, everyone's already like, what do you guys think? Is 2021 going to be just like 2020? Is this, is this party going to keep rolling? Is it going to come to a crashing halt? But also there's this thing that I don't know what it is. We we've had, I think seven builders in the last week and a half reach out and ask to start working with us again, not, not a braggy thing. Just it's shocking to me that in a market condition, as good as we have, that people are looking to level up. And and so that either means they're looking forward to when times aren't good. And they're saying, we want to invest our resources now to be more efficient and better when it's not. But I personally have a feeling that it has more to do with like, everything's doing really well and we're still stressed out and stretched to the max and we Mm -hmm. need help just getting everything done. So that's an interesting thing. Normally when everything's going as good as it's going, the marketers, there's less on your plate. You know, you don't have inventory homes to focus on. Things are generally working. What do you guys think? Do you expect 2021 to be easier or harder for you in your role? Not, not is the market going to be good or, or bad? Is, is the year going to be easier or harder for you? What do you think? All right, that'll do it for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more. Check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Also a reminder, you can call in with your questions on this episode or any other to 404-369-2595 or email them to show at doconvert.com or post them in the private Facebook group, Market Proof Marketing. Have a fantastic week, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye.